Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Liberty and the Law, the podcast series that examines the critical elements of a strong legal defense in criminal cases. Join respected attorney James Dore for this lively discussion on the rights of criminal defendants and the important role defense attorneys play in our legal system. When it comes to staying on the right side of the law, most of us, I think, are, are generally aware of the majority of laws we need to be aware of and stay aligned with. But uh, as you might expect, there are many other laws which uh, really kind of escape most of us. We're not really familiar with them, and they could end up uh, causing problems if we're not uh, not made aware, and that's what we're going to do for you today. Uh, hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and uh, certainly glad you made the time to listen into this month's edition of Liberty and the Law. Uh, as we begin, we're going to discuss and visit some of the topics of lesser-known laws, um, starting with the realm of laws that can affect your right to drive a car specifically, um, a number of things that can impact that that we might not know about. With us today is a, just an outstanding defense attorney who you should know from previous episodes, James Dore of LaBelle Law. He's going to lead us through the discussion. Uh, good morning, James. How are you doing? Morning, Jim. How are you? Um, this should be an right. interesting show today. Yeah, I, I think this looks uh, looks like it's going to be very helpful to people and uh, very informative. Now, as I mentioned, we're going to we're going to chat about these laws that impact an individual's right to drive. Some of the laws are associated with violations that occur when we are driving, and some actually do not. Let's let's start with one that's uh, been named Scott's Law, which is associated with our obligation as drivers when emergency vehicles are present. We we kind of all know to pull over when an emergency vehicle approaches from behind. But Scott's Law kind of covers the opposite situation. Can you explain this a little bit? Right. This involves an a emergency vehicle that's uh, stopped on the side of the road for, for whatever reason, but uh, in performing their official duties. So um, typical scenario would be a state trooper on the side of the road, off on, say, the right shoulder with a car pulled over in front of that vehicle. And what the purpose of Scott's Law is to prevent any, you know, to make it safer for that uh, trooper to perform duties. So any emergency personnel to perform duties on the side of the road, they want to get a little more, make a little more safe, safer, or make it a little safer for these individuals. So um, in view of that, uh, what the motorist obligation is, is to proceed with caution, change lanes if possible away from that nearest lane, and reduce speed. So... Um, one of the things I, I want to make it clear to people that you know, when in doubt, um, to change lanes because the law has been expanded recently. Okay. In what way? And uh, the way it was expanded, um, a lot of these laws it happens. It is a law passed for, uh, say, in this case, there was a, a trooper that was killed in assisting a DUI arrest on the side of the road. Um, but this is also this law has changed now to include other emergency vehicles, well, which you can understand, but also mm-hmm. now it includes, say, construction vehicles or other vehicles that are on the side of the road with those lights engaged and obviously light on top. So it's not just an, uh, uh, what you would expect to say, uh, you know, we would pull over, anybody would pull over, say, a, a, a squad car or a fire engine or something like that on the side of the road. We know to give space. But it also, now that the law has been extended, ex- expanded to include and protect others than, say, emergency personnel. Mm-hmm. So just to be clear, it's, you know, initially you might think if you see you know, red or blue flashing lights, but, but even the, any of the yellow lights on a, on a tow truck or, as you said, uh, highway maintenance, uh, maybe a group that's stopped to pull someone or to help someone with a flat tire, any of those are protected under the law now as well. 
Exactly, exactly. So I guess if you see any sort of flashing lights on any vehicle on the side, treat it as though it's an emergency vehicle. Treat it as though it's a state trooper watching you and just go move that lane over, slow down, mm -hmm. and make sure you proceed with caution and, and give as much leeway as you can to that uh, to that emergency vehicle without, of course, you know, they, they want you to use caution so you can't create another sure. hazard by trying to avoid one. So use due caution. Mm -hmm. But let's let's uh, focus on the, the the topic today, which is you know these laws that can impact you. If if and this isn't just a courtesy at this point, this is a law. So if you if you don't do this and you're found in violation, what's the ramification to a driver? Oh, well, it's possible suspension of driving privileges. So I think it's it, any of these these uh, provisions we're discussing today. Secretary of State has discretion to either suspend or revoke a driver's license. So you know, not getting too technical, I just want to point out. Mm -hmm. These, all the offenses we're talking about today, whether or not they occur when you're driving, you know, they can impact your ability or privilege to drive. And that's why I want to point it out. Just, just yeah. be careful. Because we're really, this show is to, to talk to, other than, you know, say a lot of my clients or some of my clients are more experienced with the criminal justice system. This is more for people who have no idea that these laws exist or can impact their ability to drive. Um, mm -hmm. And when yeah. people have had absolutely no traffic history, anything like that, they're they're often shocked by, um, you know, how strict some of these provisions are. Sure. Now, while we're out driving, I know we, we've all experienced that moment when we're passed on the roadway by someone really not just speeding, but really doing so at an excessive rate. Um, you know, can be very alarming. Um, now, if that person is stopped, um, do do penalties rise based on how fast that driver is going when when they're pulled over? Well, the interesting thing about the speeding tickets now, in the old days, you know, people would get court supervision, and the speeding ticket wasn't really deemed that that uh, egregious of a, of a violation. But recently, uh, and this is, say, the past 10 years, the legislature here in Illinois has taken steps to um, provide excessive speed. Uh, aggravating speeding is would be considered a misdemeanor offense. So it originally started off with 40, 40 or more over the speed limit, would be considered a Class A misdemeanor if it was charged like that. Um, that 40 has been reduced to 35, and that would be a Class A misdemeanor for 35 and above. And now anything 26 or higher can be considered a misdemeanor offense. So 26 to 34 over would be considered a Class B misdemeanor. So a little a little lesser um, uh, grade than, say, the, the mm -hmm. Class uh, A misdemeanor, but very serious and still involves possible suspension driving privileges depending on how you, how these land on your abstract. So it's just yeah. something I want to point out to people that 26 over, so you're looking at 81 miles per hour in a 51 zone, you know, that you're looking at, or, yeah, 81, that you're looking at possible uh, misdemeanor charges. So um, want to put just want to put that out there to, to help yeah. people know that speeding tickets are being treated more seriously uh than they had been in the past. And, and quickly, with regard to speeding, is there any consideration in the penalty for where where the speeding infraction took place in terms of different types of uh, um, roadways or you know areas that you might be caught in? Sure. The well, the, with the Class B speeding ticket, aggravated speeding, that's the uh, 26 to 34 uh, range. Um, there are some provisions for uh, uh, courts to find 
uh, in favor of the defendant and, and grant court supervision, provided it was uh, not in an urban uh, area, so in, a, in a more of a rural section. Um, so there's there's some other fine fine points to that law to, to because they were pretty serious. I mean, a, a lot of people were, were complaining about this, so they had to make some changes in the law to allow for supervision, so a judge would not have to impose a conviction. Okay, on the Class A uh, speeders. Um, there's no supervision available. So upon a finding of guilt or an entry of a guilty plea, you're looking at a conviction for a Class A misdemeanor for speeding. So somebody had otherwise no criminal history whatsoever, even no traffic history whatsoever, can, be, uh, can end up with a conviction on their record. Uh, each month on, on Liberty and Law, we discuss topics related to criminal defense. Uh, we rely on the knowledge and uh, really more than two decades of experience of defense attorney James Dorr. Uh, he conducts his defense practice at Lavelle Law, and their website, LavelleLaw.com, is where you can find some articles James has authored and uh, all of our past podcasts from this series. Um, and you can also find out about uh, his, his profile and read about some of the professional recognition that James has received for his work in, in criminal defense. defense. Now, some of that is related, related to DUI defense, and we've talked about DUI infractions in the past. Let's go back to that a little bit, and help me if I make sure I understand this correctly, that DUI charges can actually be more severe if the driver does not have uh, an insurance card or insurance coverage at the time of the arrest. Is that is that correct? That's correct. Um, I think this is more of a public safety uh, move on the part of the, the legislature to uh, make sure people, you know, have insurance on their vehicles. Um, mm -hmm. And one of the things, one of the ways that they make the DUI statute a little, little more, a little harsher, would be to increase the penalties and actually increase the charge over somebody who's um, driving under the influence of alcohol and at the same time has no liability insurance. So, um, charge of aggravated driving under the influence of alcohol is just you get your similar offense, your same elements in the DUI charge, but if there's one additional factor, that being you were an uninsured driver, that can put you squarely in a felony courtroom. So, again, the same scenario, a person with no criminal history whatsoever, even no traffic history whatsoever, if they let their insurance card lapse, say one day, and they get pulled over for that DUI, on that day it's lapsed, they are potentially facing felony charges. And, you know, if you get stopped for a... Uh uh, you know, brake light being out. Um, sometimes you can get that light fixed, and by the time you get back to court, show that show that it was fixed, uh, and and have the charge dismissed. Is is that an option here? If you say, like, I didn't have insurance when I was stopped, but I've got it now, does that help in the circumstance at all? Uh, it it doesn't. It it will not uh, take care of the charges. It will not be a reason to have charges say dismissed. But mm -hmm. it's certainly a mitigating ev uh, factor that a state's attorney. A prosecuting authority could take into account when deciding which charges to bring. So, um, a lot of times, sometimes prosecutors will use their discretion and say that scenario where an insurance card has been expired for, say, you know, one or two days, they could take that into account and decide not to bring felony charges. Compare that to, say, somebody who has a, a bad driving history and just doesn't have insurance and, and has. Uh, you know, background of not having insurance, they won't consider reducing charges in that case, possibly for somebody with an otherwise, um, you know, clean record. But that's possible. They don't, they don't have, uh, they're not required to um, dismiss those charges. So 
again, it's one of those things that you're better off having it. If you if you get it just a little bit after the fact, certainly point that out to your lawyer. It's something that could be used in negotiations with the state's attorney's office and, and um, you know, part of that plea negotiating process that we talked about in the past. It's, it's something that we can bring it in as a mitigating factor to the uh, prosecutor's attention. We've got just a couple minutes left, and there's one more topic I want to talk about. We, I mentioned at the beginning that not all of these things that can cause you to lose your driving privileges occur when you're driving, and th- this is one. And this deals with, um, you know, fake IDs. And I think parents and even, uh, you know, upper-age teens need to understand this. If if they are caught with a fake ID, that immediately impacts um, their ability to, to have a driver's license and operate a vehicle. Is that right? That's correct. And now. Of this, this uh, fake ID thing, I mean, there's different uh, kinds of IDs that people would have in different circumstances where they'd be using them. So, mm-hmm. But just as a general overview, okay, if you're caught with a, either a falsified ID or, um, say, somebody else's uh, ID in your possession, um, anything along those lines, that can impact your ability to drive because the Secretary of State has discretion to either suspend or revoke a driver's license depending on how that fake ID was used. And that ID could be used in a, in a situation, obviously, that involves alcohol. It, it may not, but it, are, are the charges more severe if, in fact, alcohol is involved? Uh, they can be. It really it depends on what, what you're doing with that ID and what type of ID you have. Again, there's different classifications, but in, in this general overview, what, we're try, what I'm trying to accomplish here and letting people know, you know, that the, the Consequences are more more severe than they think for just for having that fake ID. Um, even if they're not using it and they're in possession of it, that's still a problem. So, um, again, using it, um, purchasing alcohol with it, being caught with the alcohol in your car, those would all be aggravating factors. But just in general, having that, that ID um, can cause problems with your driver's license, even if you have nothing to do with a car at the time you're caught mm-hmm. with it. Interesting. And again, that uh, as a reminder for everyone, that's either a fake ID or using someone someone else's ID. Uh, both both uh, very uh, substantial concerns. So, uh, well, we certainly covered a lot of ground. I want to thank James Dorr for being here with us today. And uh, this is very insightful and helpful to people to make sure that uh, they understand the ramifications and the fact that uh, they could lose driving privileges for any number of different offenses. So, um, uh, my my thanks, to James, and appreciate him being here today. We also thank you for. Uh, joining us and listening in, you can uh, reach out to James at uh, 847-705-7555 or visit LavelleLaw.com. Uh, he's always available to answer your criminal defense questions. And I look forward to chatting with him again in, in the weeks ahead and having you join us for those conversations. <laughs>